the Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 15, Idiots and Hypocrites, Used Digital Media. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. I've got a feeling that this episode might get me into trouble. It's uh, the only, the, only the second time that I've, I've really talked about content in another podcast, and it's certainly the first time I've ever spent a whole episode devoted to an idea spawned in another podcast episode from other people. Uh, short version, I'm talking about the nature of digital content, specifically the concept of used digital con- content. Dumb, dumb, dumb concept that it is it's this episode's basically a 30 minute rant where i may or may not insult some people yeah anyhow let's get to news stuff first before we get into that so news things i'm gonna start with new stuff related to me because well it's my podcast and i can talk about my stuff discovered a cool little useful writing thing if you happen to be doing screenplays if you're writing scripts and whatnot um I don't know if I... I think I told this on another episode, but I, I like to write in the fountain syntax, which is... Uh, it's 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 like markdown for screenwriting. It's really kind of nice. You can find it at fountain.io. But the, the problem with it is that getting it from that format to a PDF that you can share with other people, it, it can be a little bit trying. You can go through Celtic's... But Celtics has to talk, sort of dial home to a server to do the PDF conversion, which I don't like. You could do it with Trellby, and while you can import a fountain file in Trellby, it doesn't support all of the syntax markup, like italics and, and bold and those sort of things. However, there is this cool little web-based thing called After Writing, and After Writing gives you the ability. It's basically a website that will do that conversion for you and spit out a PDF if you would like. And the really cool thing is that it's open source, it's free and open source, and you find it on GitHub, and you can actually download the the whole website itself and run it locally, so it doesn't have to dial home. You can do it all offline. So I like all of those things about it, and on top of all of it, it does a really good job of spitting out properly formatted uh, screenplays based on your your fountain syntax, which is very cool. So I definitely recommend checking that out. The link for that's going to be in the show notes. Other fun things that happened, I finished edits on Blender for Dummies 3rd edition. So that's pretty much ready to go now. It's all written and edited, and the book will be available April 27th of this year, which is 2015. Fair warning, it is sticking with the dummies model of being a beginner's reference. So I had some tutorials in the second edition, but they were sort of peppered through. Well, all of those tutorials have been pulled out. But the upside to that is that I'm going to take those tutorials, plus some new ones, and I'm going to post them on blenderbasics.com, which is the the Blender for Dummies website. And so all of those tutorials are going to be freely available to everybody, and I'll make that... Uh, maybe I'll even package that as a PDF or an EPUB if people are interested. But keep an eye out for that. I'll post that. I'll be posting that stuff pretty soon. Other little things. Oh, speaking of the book stuff, I, I did do a little update to to my website. Now it actually, you know, lists the fact that I 
have written some books and uh, they're they're listed on the site which is kind of fun i got to hack around with with some some code some php and wordpress not a whole lot but just enough to to add some some extra little features that that were useful to me so that was nice and and uh yeah, you can check that out if you want. I still have to add some, like I said, the website's still a work in progress. I still need to add sections for, like, old animations I've done or that that sort of thing. But, you know, it's coming along. I'm pretty happy with it. And the the last little bit of personal news is that last, was it last week? I guess it has to have been last week. So eight, eight-ish days ago, I was, I participated in the Linux Lugcast, which is basically a, a... Lug Linux user group that meets the first and third Friday via Mumble chat, and those mumbles that that session is recorded and distributed as a podcast. So that was pretty cool. Uh, that there are I think there are actually two lugs or lug like things in the Atlanta area, but it's a pain in the ass to try and get to them because they're, they're either downtown and traffic downtown stupid or they're not on a day they're not meeting on a day that's really super convenient for me this i get to do it from from home so i gotta hang out and uh participate in that it was a lot of fun so and they they gave a small little mention to this podcast so i definitely gotta talk about them here that's only fair <laughs> in any case that's uh worth checking out and that that episode and the, the website for the Linux Logcast will be in the show notes as well. On to open source and creative software related news. Uh, one thing that came up in the last handful of weeks was Autodesk has announced that they're going to terminate their perpetual license. They're, uh, they're going full rental, <laughs> except for the, the suites. I mean, you, I think you can still purchase the full suites of stuff, but... Come 2016, next year, all of their perpetual licensings will 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 change over, and, and they're going to a full subscription model. So, uh, I mean, Adobe got a lot of flack for it. I don't personally like the subscription model. Uh, there's some convenience to it if you you know if you're doing one-offs and stuff like that, but it's a pain in the ass if you're if you're if you're a long-term user or, or those sort of things. So I'm. Um, <sighs> It's one more reason why I'm happy that I use free software for my work. But it's relevant to, to stuff, so worth mentioning. In the world of... Well, let me keep talking news-related things first. Let's see here. There was a follow-up, and I talked about this in the last episode. There's a follow-up to the Krita in Paris 8 University story. The Libraophic... Sorry, the Libragraphics World website which is a really good website if you don't already know about it. They had a, a really in-depth and complete uh, wrap-up of the conversation related to why Parasite chose to use Krita and uh, why they're actually also planning on involving Blender and Natron even more, which is super cool. So definitely worth checking that one out. Speaking of news things, and this one's... I'm just talking about it because I'm, I'm late. The... They, the Libra Graphics meeting, which is this year going to be in Toronto, I think, uh, their deadline was extended for submitting talks, but that was, uh, that deadline has already passed by the time I'm recording this, so 
Oops. If it, if I'm lucky though, I want to see if I can can't make it up to that meeting. It'd be it'd be good to go to it. Uh, you should too. It's a good meeting to attend. Also, uh, two little Blender related things is that there is a really cool Render Street, which is a a render farming service, has a really cool blog interview with Bassam Kardali, who is the was the director of the first ever open movie project, Elephant's Dream, and th- th- talks about his, sort of his philosophy and, and, and what he's working on now with, with Tube, or well, sorry, the, the code name for the project is Tube. Now the actual title is Wires for Empathy and, and those sort of things, and how his stuff is. It's a really, really in-depth interview worth, worth reading, so have a gander at that. I'll have a link for it, of course, in the show notes. And at the same time, Bassam wrote his own article on code.blender.org, which is the sort of development blog for Blender, talking about the upcoming changes and improvements for Blender's dependency graph, which is super exciting because it allows for all sorts of fun things, especially in rigging that we weren't able to do before. So he's, he sort of talks about those those little fun features. And the only other thing that I've got here are releases. There are a bunch of releases since the last episode I recorded. Uh, Lux Render 1.4, which is a rendering engine, which is very nice. I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing animations in it because each frame will take a long time, but Lux Render puts out some sexy, sexy renders. So check that out. Uh, Natron 1. Point, or Natron, you know, i got to figure out the proper way to pronounce that. Anyway, Natron 1.2.0 was released. There was also an initial release of LibreOffice for Android, but right now it's it's still a viewer. It, it doesn't allow you to edit or do anything like that. I mean, I've been using AndropenOffice, which is a, a, a very sort of naive port of OpenOffice for Android for a while, and it, it suffices. I'd like to have a more, since I use LibreOffice at, for, for my main content, it'd be nice to have LibreOffice on Android though I'm migrating more and more towards doing most of my writing in Vim and Vim Touch on Android. So, uh, you know, in, in any case, it's it's still pretty exciting to see it there. And then the only other fun release, Credit 2.9, came out just recently, like within the last handful of days. So if you're a Credit user, more cool, fun toys are available for you, especially uh, big improvements in terms of performance and, and dealing with larger files, if I, if I read the release notes right. In any case, them's the news. Now, the meat of the episode. Oh, one small note. While the episode I mentioned of the other podcast was the catalyst for the topic in this episode of my podcast, um, I went back and I, I rechecked the comments on that episode, and they're they're actually a bit more reasonable than I than I initially remembered them being. I guess I just had a, a pretty visceral reaction to their visceral reaction. So. Don't yell at people too much if you happen to agree with me. Of course, you might not agree with me. In any case, you should tell me that. Still, in in any of this, none of that changes the main thrust of my opinion that I give. So, let's get on with it. And this is what I what 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 I'm saying in my car. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be.
better. All right. So, <coughs> excuse me. Let's try that again. So I was I was gonna do this episode about um, spec work and and those sort of things, but I think I think I got something else I want to talk about. So I've been. In case you didn't know, I do the writing thing as well as other stuff. And I've been investigating the whole indie publishing scene. And uh, to that end, I'm I, listening to a bunch of podcasts and, and following all of the... I do, when, I, when I start looking into something and researching, I tend to do a, like really immerse myself in it. So I get really in it and learn a lot of the different stuff and, and it doesn't matter. In any case, I listen to a lot of the podcasts and, and news sources related to indie publishing and, and those sort of things. And one of them, I guess it was last week's episode of a podcast called the Sell More Book Show. Uh, not a bad podcast if you are interested in doing um, indie publishing or even traditional publishing. Uh, it's it's not a bad one to listen to just for, for book marketing related stuff. But they they had a like a, a new they have a news section on that show and they talk about a uh, company that's that's looking into resell of used used digital content. So you buy an ebook in their case and they're, they're talking about ebooks. So you buy an ebook, you can resell it like selling a used book. And so the question was put out to to, to at least that community of of. You know, how what do you think about people selling or reselling their their uh, used <laughs> used is a weird word pre-owned digital 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 content. In any case, um, the 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 comments on there are there's a lot of like response that's kind of there's a lot of vitriol in some way where where. Folks are, are just very adamantly displeased with that notion. Now, let me let me couch everything I'm about to say with with this. I think the whole notion of of a used digital copy is kind of ridiculous anyway. Like it's it's a digital copy. It's it's not I mean, used, it's, it's not like it's going to be a dog, it's not going to be dog-eared, it's not like the file's going to corrupt over time or anything like that. You know, it, used is a wacky, wacky word, right? But, I mean, you can return an ebook, so why couldn't you resell it? But let's, let's, let me, let me stop and finish, finish my couching first. And my couching is this, is that the notion of applying traditional traditional retail sales media metaphors to digital content is a really backwards way of thinking, right? That's my couching, and I can get into that later. But at the same time, at the same time, those same, the same, I'll say legacy, if I want to be nice, but if I'm going to be an asshole about it I'll say outdated the same outdated mindset that says I can sell a digital copy of my book 
is the exact same mindset that says, no, you shouldn't be able to sell my digital book. Granted, they're, they're, they're both out of date, they're both out of touch, and they're both, they don't make sense in the context of what digital content is. That's my, I'll say, confusion with this whole thing, is that, look, I mean, somebody, somebody, we'll go to the, we'll go to the physical metaphor, right? Someone buys a physical book, and they, 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 they're done with it, and they want to sell it, right? Can't stop them. They've got the book. You shouldn't stop them. They've got the book. They want to try and sell what they can for it. What they've already paid you for the book, and they're not. There, there's a, all right. So let me under, let me let me back up a second and explain the mindset for for anybody who is who's confused. The mindset goes something like this: any used version of my content any pre-owned version, if you want to use a car salesman term, any pre-owned version of my content that somebody purchases is is a lost sale because somebody's buying it, but I'm not getting the money for it, right? That's the mindset. That's why, and, and, and the problem is it's the same mindset that people have about piracy. Somebody steals it, they're... You know, I didn't get the money for it, therefore it's a lost sale. They're looking at used sales, pre-owned sales. Don't know if I can get myself to say that because I feel like a dirty car salesman. But they they look at used sales as lost sales, and it's a greedy way of thinking, and and it's not really accurate. Here's what I mean: is let's see if I can find a way to explain it right where I don't sound like a dumbass. So, this is where the DRM conversation starts, and 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 where you sort of figure out that it's a dumb idea. Too. That's a dumb idea too. The idea being that you know if people look at digital content and say, "Oh, look at this! I can put controls on it that I've wanted all along on physical uh, objects," right? That's that's the way that a lot of people look at it. They 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 they, they take this outmoded, or it's not outmoded. I'm not gonna say it's out of date, but I'll say it's the wrong medium. They're thinking in the wrong medium, so they'll take this metaphor of the sale of physical things and say that I've never wanted people to buy used copies of of physical things, and now in the digital world, I have. I have the tools to to prevent that sort of thing. Ostensibly, we all know that that's bullshit. It's not that hard to work around it. Whatever anybody figures out, someone else will figure a way to work around it. So, but for the sake of argument, we'll say that that digital content, the the whole fact that it's digital and centrally sourced and uh, can have you know digital files can dial home and that sort of stuff, all of that means that somebody selling content can say, oh, 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 look, look, look. I can, I can prevent people from doing things that I've never, that they've been doing with physical things, and I've never liked the fact that they do it, but I couldn't control it because I can't be there while they're holding that physical thing. That's that's where 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 that is. But I don't, I don't agree. I think used con- like again couched in the fact that that 
the notion of used digital content is kind of dumb anyway. But let's 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 set that aside. I'll address that one in a little bit um, if I haven't already. But there are whole industries built up around selling used shit. And none of that money goes back to the originators of, of whatever that used stuff is. Be it be it used furniture, be it used cars, it could be used physical books, any of that stuff. You know, when, when you're dealing with those physical objects, there, there are whole industries built on them. The way I look at it is that if someone figures out how to sell or resell use digital content, regardless of how stupid the idea is, if they figure out how to do that, I, I personally wouldn't be one to fight it. I'd be one actually to, to, to celebrate that for just one reason. You're, whatever your medium is, in this case is talking about books, but the same thing could apply to short films, long form films, music, any of that sort of stuff. You know, there's a whole market for used, used music that was, well, Again, prior to digital files, and this is going to fil filter into that one as well. But the notion that your your content is spawning a whole secondary market, your develop you your your work in part because you created the, the the digital content that's being resold, your work is facilitating a secondary an entire secondary market. That's got to feel kind of good. Right, if you look at it that way. Yeah, you might not be seeing any money off of that directly. But you're not losing any sales either. If your stuff wasn't available on those secondary markets, the people who are looking for those kinds of deals, you would either wait for a sale of the original content, or they wouldn't buy it. That's, that's what that comes down to. And that's what I really have to say on that one. Now, all right, so... Anybody who's who, but let's let's get back to my couching. Yes, anybody who is the whole notion of used digital content is stupid to begin with. Let's let's start there. Well, I'm ten minutes in. I'm not exactly starting anymore. Regardless, let me let me let me sally forth with this thing here. So the, the digital content's a different beast, right? And so when it comes to like software well, this is why we're, we're going to dovetail this one into the, the the open source creative podcast hi uh, <laughs> the the in the software world and this is where music got this this is where film like the mpaa is getting this and this is where books are kind of going when they with ebooks but it's always been this way with software and it's kind of bullshit so in the software world you when you buy a program this could be an app on your phone. This could be a high dollar piece of software on your PC. This could be a game. It doesn't matter. With any of these pro, any of these programs that you purchase, most of them, nigh on all of them, I'll say, I'll say, if they're if they're proprietary software, in nearly all cases, I'm only saying nearly all because. There's always an exception to the rule, but I don't know of any. <laughs> but so we'll just say in, in, in nearly all cases, 
you are not buying the software, right? Anybody listening to this podcast, it should, if you're not aware of that, um, huh, spoiler alert, um, you're, if you buy proprietary software, you're not buying the software. You are giving the company money to, so that they can give you the right to use that software. Software, and I won't say the software industry has always been like that, but ever since there's been proprietary software, that's been the case. And that's one of the things a lot of open source applications and, for, and programs and, and open source advocates are are very, very much, very adamantly against. Because it the the, the source code is, is something that we can learn from, we can improve it. I like to know what's going on inside the program. Having that level of peer review not makes the program better and more robust, but it also sort of ensures that you know nobody's snooping on you and that kind of shit, right? So that's that's the thing that 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 software has always had, and open source advocates have have been you know sort of pointing out the the flaw of that. At the same time, everything in the entertainment industry and con and, and digital and sorry everything in the entertainment and content creation industries have been looking at the software industry saying, you know, yeah, I kind of want that because from a business standpoint, it's, it's, it's like, so here, and here, and this is where it gets almost hypocritical. So here's the, here's the business argument for, for producing digital content. You mean I only have to produce one thing I don't have to produce any physical copies, and I can resell the shit out of it at zero cost for production outside of the initial creation of the content, which can be substantial. That cost can be substantial, especially when you're talking about video games and movies and, and those sort of things. But the, the, the creation of that content is, is one price, but the distribution costs and physical product costs, storage costs, inventory costs, they're zero, right? That's, that's the business appeal for, for e-content, right? For, for digital content, whether, again, whether it's books, whether it's music, whether it's movies, TV, whatever, that's the appeal is that I don't have to have physical things and I can resell the same, same shit over and over and over and over and over again. But it's a kind of a lack of forward thinking that says, that same person gets upset when another person gets a copy of it and says, oh, I got a copy of this. And I can give it away to other people for zero cost. Ha! What do you know? And there's where, you know, piracy and digital piracy and, and all of those things come from. And... So yeah, so so all of the the, the digital content, all sorry, all of the content creation, sort of industries, are we're we're looking at software. It's like yeah, we got to do this licensing thing, because then by way of copyright and, and contract law, that we we can prevent people from they never own a copy, right? They they just have the right to use it. So whether or not they actually have a copy of that file on hand 
legally they're not allowed to use it unless they they've agreed to the contract and part of the contract stipulates that they pay us money and the problem is that it's 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 enfor- it's enforcing a a a bit of false scarcity right that's 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 the counter argument to to a lot of this is that when you're dealing with digital content when you're dealing with something that is a file you can make perfect copies so all of the appeals from the business sense i can make perfect copies for zero cost and distribute them for the cost of bandwidth well it's not free it's the cost of bandwidth <laughs> and i know that because i'm hosting my podcast and i'm paying for that so there you, there you go so <laughs> bit of a digression there so but in the grand scheme of things even even for for storing that content in one place and redistributing it it's far far cheaper than you know if i took this podcast and had to press cds of it (laughs) and try and redistribute those all around or you know if i wanted to try and go big time and, and and do radio broadcast stuff it's un, it's an untenable cost. It's not not even close. I I couldn't do it. Um, the 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 digital side of things has has made all this kind of shit possible for all sorts of things. And so that's that's where as indies you start seeing the appeal, right? We're like, oh oh oh. Now, with 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 an ebook, I don't have to I don't have to think about a publisher outside of you know. Well, you know, the question is, what does a publisher bring, bring, bring to the table that I can't do myself, or I can't hire someone to do for me? Those, you know, a lot of indies, that's the mindset that they're taking on, because all, I, all you have to pay for is the creating the original content. Distribution and the rest of it, that's handled by a distributor, in a lot of cases, Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble or Kobo or, or whomever. And the same thing goes for music, indie music, indie film. You know, your distribution costs are, they can be as low as zero. You know, put your, put your video on anime, on anime, put your video on YouTube, put your music on SoundCloud. You know, that's all zero cost. You're getting distribution for free and you're getting exposure and then you find ways to monetize on top of that. A lot of people on, on the YouTube space are using, uh, doing it with ads Kickstarter and, and, and Patreon are, 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 are taking off their things. But then you have, you still got the, the everything that makes it appealing for large businesses and indies. Also, the, the, it makes it easy to, for anybody to redistribute, for anyone to see, for anyone to, uh, to, to consume that content. Which is why the notion of one, the notion notion of applying the used metaphor to it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of stupid. You're not because in an ideal world, when you have digital anything, you're it's not a single copy. It's it's self replicatable, re, self replicable, right? I have a copy of it, and because I have a copy of it, I have the tools to have another copy of it, and you know it's it's it's. It's the best kind of virus in a lot of ways. Your con, because that's that's where viral content comes from. You know, you, you want your content to spread spread virally, and eventually, maybe you find a way to monetize on that. 
that's the, the, the business case for it. Now, all right. So that's, that's why the notion of trying to shoehorn that level of scarcity on digital content is, is a, it's just a stupid endeavor. It's a stupid thing to try because it, it, it doesn't make sense for the medium. Know your goddamn medium. <laughs> that's, that's sort of, you know, if you're, if you're producing anything, you know the medium, you know, if you're making music, you, you know how to do music. If you're painting, you know how to use paint. If you're doing something digitally, you better know how digital stuff works before you try to employ metaphors and, and strategies that simply don't work on that platform, in that medium. Now, there's nothing I can do about it, because I'm not a distributor. I'm, I am a, a I mean, there, sorry, let me rephrase that. There's nothing I can do that about anybody else. There's stuff I can do that for my stuff, right? So I'm not ever going to put DRM on my things. What what my my publisher does, I don't have any control over, and I can get in, I can get into that conversation later for my traditionally published stuff. Um, but so I I can not put any sort you know not involve myself with any sort of digital restrictions, digital rights management, but digital stupidity uh, <laughs> because it doesn't make sense for the medium, right? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pursue selling uh, digital, previously owned digital whatevers, because it 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 doesn't fit the medium. And but I, I mean, if somebody if somebody else is pursuing that, you know, I I might point out that they're that it's a dumb idea and nobody should agree to do to it. But the 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 notion of the problem is that most people who are who are fighting used digital content would, if they had the means, they would also fight used physical media, and that's the problem. And if they wouldn't, they're hypocrites, right? So it, let me let me put that out there. If you if you say, well, I'm okay with used bookstores, but not if they're not if they're doing used eBooks then you're a hypocrite. Plain and simple. Bar, again, couched in the fact that use digital anything is a stupid notion anyway, but you should be consistent, right? So if you have a problem with used ebooks, then you should have a problem with used physical books. And if you don't feel that you do, you need to rethink your position because you're being a hypocrite. Now, Back to back to the earlier point. What was the earlier point? I, I freaking lost it. <laughs> is is all right? Yeah, sorry. The yeah things things that I could do. That's what I was talking about. Sorry about that. Listen, brain just blanked right the hell on out. So the things I can do: a, I can not involve myself with DRM. B, I can have which I don't have any problem with people buying and selling used content in whatever form. Again, doing it digitally is kind of stupid, but 
you know, if you want to put your mind in, in, in the wrong metaphor for the medium, go ahead and try. You might convince some other people to do it with you for a while because that's kind of what's happening. And, you know, the best thing you can do in any case is develop work that gets you a following where people just, this is a dumb way of putting it, but or maybe, maybe, yeah, I'm going to get sort of jumped on from being overly simplistic about this, maybe. But the idea here is make work and develop a following wherein people want to throw cash at you to keep doing it. And not just want to do it, but they actually do throw cash at you to do what you're doing, right? I've had people, like I said this in a previous episode. I've had people who have pirated my books come up and give me money saying they pirated it, and I got more from them giving me money than I would have gotten from them purchasing the book. Now, granted, everybody else that worked on the book, including editors and, and the, the, uh, the publishing staff, and that's when they didn't get any of that cut, and you know, perhaps they, they, they should have. I mean, you have to give them their due. They did put a lot of effort into, the, into those elements, but the point remains that as the person that created the content, that would be me, I developed what I I hope that person was a fan, at least they were were a fan enough to give me some cash for, 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 for the work that I created, and they were interested in me creating more, right? That's where it works, and you just, and you just need enough of those people. Right, my 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 my, and maybe again, I might get jumped on for for being a bit bit naive. But my my goal is to be comfortable, right? And I don't need to be like like, I don't need to be rich. It'd be kind of cool, for a day or two. <laughs> but but, you know, if I can, if I can make it through the year, and and feed myself and my family and you know maybe keep us dry when it rains warm when it's cold I think that, that that's a pretty good goal and I don't and I think that whatever quote lost sale that that you could incur from someone from a secondary market of used content or down go so far as to say from, from pirated content, whatever lost sales you, you think you're getting from that, um, percentage-wise, I, I don't think that's that's a huge deal. You know, I, I, you know, maybe someone needs to run the numbers on it. I haven't seen it, but I, unless, unless you're talking like the Chinese market, where I think everything is bootlegged, but unless you're talking about those specific markets, for for indie creators and and creators in general, I think the amount of used content or pirated content that's that's being just redistributed is not as significant as like look at it this way. Let's let's go with the argument that someone who purchases used content or pirates use content. Let's say that we'll be generous and say 
10% of those people would have purchased it had it had had the 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 non-cheap or non-free version been available free as in beer not free as in speech so if the if the non-pirated or non-used version of whatever that content was let's if if that were that if there were that were not available let's say that the people who did pirate or buy the used version let's say 10% of those people would actually have purchased it and i think 10% is kind of a generous number but again i'm i'm pulling statistics out of my ass here uh, if somebody could point me to some actual numbers i'd love to read them but let's go with that i still think that even at 10% of those people being true lost sales i think that is relative compared to the true sales that you get i think that the 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 numbers are better and it's still in your favor now you know you could look at the people who use free as a strategy when they're selling like a lot of people in the indie scene who who sell their who sell their work sell their books they have one one or more piece of their work that's available for free again free as in beer not as in speech some people actually do the creative commons thing uh and have gotten successful that i'm i'm still vacillating as to whether i'll do that on my next next thing i don't know yet um don't have a really compelling argument to do it at the moment so but that's that's another episode we'll talk about that one later but a lot of these people are using free as a strategy and they get tons 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 of downloads for that free thing and then a percentage of the people who download the free one will convert to the whatever the, the you know the you, the strategy is you give one away for free and the other if they if they like that one they'll purchase other stuff that's in, in the your inventory of things you've created and so there's a conversion rate and yeah the, the the conversion rate is depends on depends on the author depends on the content whatever um i mean it's it's you it's a percentage right and sometimes that conversion rate can be 10 percent. sometimes it can be higher than that it really depends on the work and how you market it and those sort of things but and that, that's where i also think it's kind of hypocritical if you're using free as part of your marketing strategy then why wouldn't you consider used content or hell even pirated content as an additional facet of your marketing strategy it's it's an acceptable loss for greater exposure right right and if you don't think that then take your book away that you have for free as your marketing strategy because you obviously don't believe that and again i think you're being hypocritical so yeah that's that's I guess that's the theme of this episode, and maybe that's what I'll put on the title, is don't be a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> you know, it's... it's Man, I kind of got ranty this time. I was thinking about it. Uh, that's what I get for for not doing an episode for, for longer than I, than I wanted to. But, yeah, that, that's... That's... That's the... Th- the theme that I'm running with, and, then, and again, I think that's that's even an even better argument than than um, than not a better argument. It's a better example of hypocrisy, I guess. Let's let me outline how I've just called everybody hypocrites. Yes, yes. Let me do that. So, if you have a problem with 
Yeah, let me let me outline how I may have offended a tons uh, a bunch of different people in this one little episode. Uh, one, if you think it's smart to apply the concept of uh, used media to digital content, you're probably an idiot because you don't understand the way digital content works. If you support used physical media, but you don't support used digital media, as dumb as used digital media is, you're a hypocrite. And if you are a content creator who uses free content, free as in beer, content as a marketing strategy, and you have a problem with people who are getting that content at a discount for used rates or even pirated, then you're also a hypocrite. So, there we go. That's what I have to say about that. Share this with your friends. <laughs> or, or yell at me, whichever. Or, or share, share it with your friends so they yell at me. I, I would love to be yelled at for this because um, I think I'm right. <laughs> In any case... I'm getting to the end of my commute. <laughs> Time to get to work. Talk to you guys later. And that's the show. As always, if there's something I say that strikes a chord, or if you really, really disagree or, or agree with the things that I've talked about in this particular episode, you can make a comment on it on the podcast section of my website at monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or you can track me down. Again, I'm Jason Van Gumster on any of your favorite social media sites. Just look for Monster Java Guns or look for my name. Monster Java Guns is probably easier to spell. And then on any of those places, just tell me what you think there. Um, also tell me what you want to want me to talk about in future episodes also I have a email newsletter it's a plain text light traffic thing where you can get an early in on knowing anything that I'm up to you can subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site which is again monsterjavaguns.com yeah so that's that now you get to work Thank you.